The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. How many of you uh, over this series, you know, we're in this series called The Seven Deadly Sins. Have you noticed that as I preach on whatever that particular sin is that, that, that week, you know, that Sunday, that that week you struggle in that area. Have you had that experience? How many of you had road rage last week and then you remembered anger? I've got an anger problem and, and I need to give this to God. I heard story after story and then lust. Some of you, no, I'm just, anyway, every week, you know, every week. There's a struggle. So anyway, let's talk about greed. You know, um, I really do believe that basically in life, uh, there are two types of people in this world. There are givers and there are takers. And it really has nothing, hear this loud and clear, has nothing to do with your level of income. There are givers and there there are takers. And at the end of your time here on this earth, your life is going to be defined by one of those two words, giver or taker, greed or generosity. Now the choice is up to you. Today we are gonna talk about the deadly sin of greed. Gordon Gecko from the old movie Wall Street was wrong. Greed is not good. You remember the original movie from back in the 80s? You know, kind of defined um, a generation in the 80s, Greed and Gordon Gecko. And then they, they remade the movie, I think, in 2010. Anybody remember who played Gordon Gecko? Who played him in, in the movie? Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Uh, well, he plays this Wall Street uh, tycoon. And uh, in the movie, in the original movie, he's about to. Uh, orchestrate another hostile takeover of yet another company, and then he makes this this big grandstand speech. Here's part of what he said. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for a lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. And greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but another manufacturing uh, malfunctioning corporation called the United States of America. Sounds like a stump speech for a candidate I know, doesn't it? Um, But greed is not good. Greed is deadly. Greed is destructive. Now, do not misunderstand me. Money in and of itself is neutral. Money is not evil. The Bible, in fact, never says that. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10, part of this is often misquoted, but listen to this. The Apostle Paul is talking about greed. He says, but many people, but people who long to be rich, there it is right there, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the what of money? For the love of money. Doesn't say money in and of itself. For the love of money 
is at the root of all kinds of evil. And then, boy, this last part is true. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. Again, he's talking here about greed. Now, the answer to greed the antidote to greed, that, that's what we've really been looking at in this series, is not the sin in and of itself, but the, the virtue, okay? The virtue that I want us to talk about today really is generosity. Generosity, being a giver. Now, what I'm, what I'm gonna try to do in the next few minutes that we have together is basically take literally hundreds of verses in the Bible and in the New Testament and kind of condense them down to what the Bible has to say is the basic teaching about generosity. Because I believe that the Bible is really clear that Jesus calls you and I to a higher level of living. He calls us to, uh, to live our lives by the standard of generosity. That our lives are to be defined, that our, our, you know, no longer should our culture and our world be defined by greed, but instead, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's to be defined by, by generosity. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul quotes Jesus as saying, and this is a famous quote, it comes from Jesus. He said, it's more what? Blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So, you and I get to choose. It's actually your choice. You know, what are the words that are gonna define you at the end of your life? Giver or taker? Greed or generosity? Now, greed, a way to understand greed, greed is living with a closed fist. Everybody gets your fist and just make a ball with your fist, kind of squeeze it really tight, okay? Shake it at your neighbor. No, don't do that. This is, uh, th that's greed, okay? Now, we live in a society today that is dominated with this, with closed fist living. It's where we basically look at everything we have and we say, you know what? It's mine. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And you can't have it. But there's a better way to live. Jesus calls us to a higher standard. Remember last week, you know, we talked about anger, and then he said, turn everything upside down. He said, but I say to you, and he does that time and time again. And here's another example. He calls us to live, to live by a higher level of living. And he calls us to live a lifestyle of open-handed living, open-handed living, of generosity, this is where, instead of closed-fisted, you open your hands and you say to God, God, you have given me everything that I have. I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for you. Instead of saying, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, and you can't have it, it's, it's yours. It's yours, it's yours, it's yours, and I'm going to use what you have given me for your good and your glory to try to make a difference in this world. So today, that's what I want us to talk about. How do we do that? What does that look like? What does it look like to live a life with an open hand? So, look at your outline. The highest level of living is generous living. Generous living. Now, think about it for a second. Do you want your life to be, fine, to be defined by greed? Because greed, at the end of the day, is a life-draining option. Generosity is a life-giving option. Greed is always win-lose. 
Generosity is win-win. Greed is the, the key to paranoia and worry. I mean, you're always afraid that somebody else is going to take what you have. Generosity, on the other hand, is the key to joy. It's the key to freedom. It's the key to, actually, I think, prosperity. Using what you've been given to make a difference. Greed just robs you of your life. Generosity, on the other hand, it is contagious and it's life-giving. So today, I want to challenge you to live a life, an open-handed life of generosity. And I want us to talk about what, what does that look like? How can you walk out of here today and go, I want to live a life of generosity? And so we're going to look at, take literally hundreds of verses, and I'm going to condense them down to basically four basic areas of generous living, okay? Four areas. Number one, generous living means that I am generous with my time. I'm generous with my time. This is where it all starts, with your time. And it starts with you trying to figure out what am I going to do with the time that I've been given? Because time, that is the greatest resource you have. That's the most valuable resource you have. Every day you wake up, if you are still breathing, God has given you another day to live on planet Earth. Now, no one in this room is guaranteed tomorrow, right? I mean, you're not guaranteed the next breath that you're breathing. You're not. So the key to make the best use of your time possible is to, is to begin your day with a prayer where you basically say, God, what is the best use of my time right now, today? What is the best use of my time? I think that's a great question because if you don't understand how to use your time in the best way possible, you are, you are probably missing out on all that God has in store for you. You know, there's this famous story in the Bible. In fact, it's so famous that whether you've been to church or not, I'm sure you've recognized at least the name of the story. In Luke chapter 10, we often call it the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay, basically it's a story of this guy who's on a trip, uh, on a road traveling from Jerusalem uh, to Jericho. We don't know his name, but we know he's on a treacherous stretch of highway, so much so that he is beaten, robbed, and left for dead on the side of the road. Now, so here he is, lying on the side of the road uh, in ancient times, left for dead, and as Jesus is telling the story to his disciples and to the people gathered, he says, there are three people who come by this guy in the story. Now, the first one who comes by is a priest, okay? You might say he's a preacher, he's a pastor, whatever. Now, the priest in that day thinks that he is not, you know, able to touch this person because he's bloody, and that would make him unclean. And so he keeps the religious rules of the day. He's more interested in, you know, religion than he is in people. And so he just keeps walking past the person who was left for dead on the side of the road. Well, then comes a Levite. Now, the Levite actually holds himself to a, what he believes is a somewhat higher standard. And he actually decides not only to pass the guy on the side of the road, but, but cross the street and pass by on the other side, on the other side of the road, literally, and to ignore the guy completely. 
And so next comes a Samaritan. Now, the guy that's on the side of the road who's bleeding and who's been robbed was a Jew. And most of the people who are listening to the story are all Jewish. And so as soon as they hear Samaritan, they're like, ooh, Samaritan. Because the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along with each other. But the amazing part of this story is that the Samaritan comes along and he actually stops and helps the guy, takes care of his wounds, and then takes him to like a local inn and pays for everything. In fact, he even tells the innkeeper that, hey, if, if you incur any more expenses, let me know and I will take care of it. And everybody's kind of shocked. And then at the end of the story, Jesus basically says, okay, which one of these people are we to be like? And the disciples say, well, I guess we should be like the one who showed mercy, the one who helped him. And Jesus said, yes, go and do likewise. So Jesus said that we should be like the good Samaritan. We should be like the person who is quick to use their time, their resources, their money, and and help people. Now, Again, obviously, what separates the Samaritan from the other two guys in the story? Well, again, he decided that the best use of his time, his energy, all of his resources was to serve other people, was to stop and and to help somebody in need. You know, I don't know that he did this for, you know, For sure, Jesus is telling a story, but in my mind, he was somebody who understood and prayed that prayer. God, what is the best use of my time right now, today? You know, what would that do in your life, in our lives, if we regularly prayed that prayer? If we we became generous with our time? with our schedule, with our appointments. And we said, God, whatever your priorities are, I want them to become my priorities. I mean, what a difference that would make. I mean, some of you are you know, kind of up in the air right now about jobs and, and where you live and, and you know, your, your, your school and all that kinds of thing. What if you just prayed, God, what is the best use of my time for this season? Where would you have me? How could I use my time for your good and for your glory to help others and to serve your kingdom? What is the best use of my time? Because what you do with your time matters. It's the most valuable resource you have. Your time is your life. And if you want your life to matter, you better be using your time for God's purposes. You know, I was thinking about that this week as it relates to uh, Sunday mornings here at Coastal. Do you realize that before many of you even got here today, there were all kinds of people who showed up early to serve. They met you at the door and handed you a bulletin. They smiled at you. They prepared that coffee that you're drinking. They put out those danishes that you're eating. They prepared to to love and to serve and to teach your children about Jesus. They prepared and and uh, went through and, and went through the, the worship uh, songs so that they could lead you well in worship. 
There, there are literally dozens and dozens of people who are giving their time so that you could have the best possible experience. You know, I'm grateful that when they got up this morning, they asked, Lord, what's the best use of my time on Sunday morning? And they decided to come here and to serve. So, how could you use your time at the highest level possible, at the best level possible? Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says this, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady, always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. And then look at this last part. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is what? What's it say? Ever wasted. In other words, anything you do for God, anything you do for God's kingdom, it is never, ever wasted. Whatever you do for the Lord. So, how could you use the time that you've given at the highest level possible to serve God? I think it simply begins with just understanding that it's his time and not yours. That you have been, that life is just a mist that is here for a moment and then it's gone. And, and you have this time and you, you should be looking at your time. God, how can I best use the time that you've given me here and now? Where I live, where I work, where I go to school, where I play, where I do life. God, it's yours. It's not my calendar. It, it's, 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 you know, I think it would, it would radically change the busyness of your life if you just looked at what you did through the lens of it's God's time. You know, let me give you another little suggestion. This might be a good way just to start. You know, that Connect card that Ryan talked about, pull it out just for a second. Look at the back of it. On the back where it says, my decision today, that little section, there's a sentence there that says, I would like to volunteer to what? To serve. Please have someone contact me. And then look at all these, we got these little options there for you. You know, maybe you'd like to greet you know, be a part of the First Impressions team. We, we try, we try to do our very best to make this, to create an atmosphere where the people who come here for the first time feel like our expected, welcome guest in our home. And so maybe if you're friendly, if you like to smile, man, that'd be a great way to serve. If you're an ogre and a grouch, we don't want you there, okay? We'll find another place for you. But um, children, you know, maybe, maybe children's ministry. Maybe you love, you know, babies or that's not your thing. And, you know, you like toddlers or, you know, you know, elementary school kids, or maybe that's not your thing. Maybe it's students and middle school. You like to be, when Ryan was talking about student ministry, man, that just, you know, got your passion, you know, going, or, or it's the cafe, or it's the worship team, or security, all these things, or some other way. There's so many ways that you could use your time at the best level possible, serving others. You see, all of us, all of us can do this and we can all use our time in serving God because nothing you ever do for the Lord is ever wasted. So, being generous with your life starts with being generous with your time. And then it moves into another area. It goes a little bit deeper. That's the second area of generous living and that's being generous with my talents, with my talents. 
How many of you, maybe if you're a little bit older, maybe my generation or older, uh, remember, or maybe you've seen it on, you know, on cable, remember the show, The Bionic Woman? Anybody remember that? Back in like the late 70s, early 80s, um, in a nutshell, um, they had the bionic man, and then they, you know, they had to have a bionic woman, basically. But anyway, um, this lady, the scenario is set up in the first episode where she's in a car accident, and in order to save her life, they give her these bionic parts. And she gets like a bionic ear and a bionic eye and she's got bionic legs and she can run fast and do all these amazing things. But at first, in the beginning episode, at first, when she discovers that she's got all these powers, she, she's upset. She rejects them. She, she doesn't want anything to do with it. She thinks she's been tricked. She thinks she's been duped. She didn't ask for this. And, uh, but the guy who invented the bionic parts and set all this up, he, he sets up a meeting with her. And this is basically what he says to her. Here's a quote. He says, I have invested $5 million in the, in the bionic parts that you have inside of you. You don't have a choice but to use what I have given you to make a difference in the world. Now, I think that God could rightfully look at you and me and say, look, look at everything that I have given you. Your abilities, your personality, your health, your talents, your strengths, your analytical insight. Look at everything that I have given you. And then, I think God would even have the right and could very reasonably say to us, you don't have a choice but to use what I have given you to make a difference in this world and to serve others, and to help others. But do you know what? He doesn't do that. And you do have a choice. I have a choice. So, are you going to go through life close-fisted when it comes to your talents, and your skills, and your abilities? And are you going to walk through life and say, they are mine, they're mine, they're mine, they're mine. And you don't get to take them. Or are you going to have an open-handed heart and say, God, everything that I have been graciously given, it is yours. It is yours. It's yours. It's yours. So use these talents these gifts, my abilities, my personality. Use it all to your glory and for your good to make a difference in this world. You see, we were created to do that by God. He just gives us the choice. In fact, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, God has made us what we are. And by the way, you are far more valuable than $5 million. Far, Far more valuable than you know, a conglomeration of bionic parts. God has made us what we are. Listen to this. In Christ Jesus, God made us. Now, 
These next uh, four words, underline them, highlight them, star them. God made us to what? To do good works. To do good works, which God planned in advance to live our lives doing. So, if you want to live life at the highest level, then you've got to look at what you've been given as a way and as a means to, to do good works, to do kingdom things. Now, where could you start? How could you begin? Well, the Bible gives us some insight as well on how you could do this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, listen to this. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Now, here it is. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping ourselves. It doesn't say that, does it? You love it when I do that. You're almost expecting it now, aren't you? Um, it doesn't. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping what? Who? The entire church. That, that's, the, that's the starting place. You're to use what you've been given to help the body of Christ, to help believers, to build up the church. That's been God's plan from the beginning. It's, it's to look at your time, to look at your talents and your abilities through the lens of an open hand, God, it's yours. How could I use it to build up the, the kingdom, to build up the church, the body of Christ? And now, as you send me as a missionary where I live, work, and play, how could I use the things that you've given me for kingdom purposes? You see, our goal here at Coastal is to, for every person to use their talents to serve in the kingdom. And we're passionate about that. We want every member, we say in our, in our membership class, to be a minister. Every member is a minister. Minister just means servant. That's it. And so every person of our church needs to be serving. And you say, why? Well, because it's impossible for you and I to become like Jesus without serving. You know, to say that positively, you, you're only like Christ when you learn to serve. You know, that means... You look at your time, you look at your, your talents, and you open up your hands. And you say, God, use me. So, that's the first two areas of living at that high level of generous living. But there's another area. In fact, Jesus had more to say about this one than he did almost anything else he talked about. And it's being ge generous with my treasure. Generous with my treasure. You might as well say, generous with my money. This is where the rubber meets the road. What are you doing with your money? You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your talents. But if you are greedy with your treasure, you have a closed hand. And you have cut off God's blessing in your life, and you're a taker. Now, being generous with money is the anecdote today to materialism and to greed. And Jesus said it is the foundation of being generous. And, and the foundation of being generous with your treasure is learning to tithe. In fact, so many people think that tithing is only in the Old Testament. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23. He basically gives a strong endorsement to tithing. He says, yes, you should tithe. And you shouldn't leave the more important things undone either. So to Jesus, tithing is just foundational. Now let me just cut to the chase, make this very, very simple. Tithing means 10%. It means the first tenth of what you earn, you give back to God. 
The only reason, listen, you have anything, the only reason you are able to make anything is because God has given you your time and your talents. And because he has given you your time and your talents, he says you're to take the first 10% of your treasure of what you earn and you're to tithe that back to God. Now, some of you have, have been tithing for a long time. You know the power of giving, the power of tithing. You know and you've experienced that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so I want to summarize all the New Testament teaching of this area of treasure in three simple words. So write these down. It's not on your outline. The first word is simply consistent. Consistent. The Bible says that you are to be consistent givers. We are to be consistent. In other words, very simply, whenever you get paid, you're to give something back to God, whether that's weekly, bi-monthly, monthly. The second word is the word proportional. Proportional. In other words, you're to give a proportion back to God, a percentage. That's where 10% comes in. It is the first 10%. It's the first fruits. And then the third word is sacrificial. Sacrificial. Here's how it works. Very simple. You and I are to be consistent and proportional all the time to the local church, your place of worship. So every week or however you get paid, you and I are to be consistent and proportional. Now, again, we, like we say here at Coastal, it doesn't matter how you do that, whether you give online, when the buckets are passed, uh, you know, texting, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how you give your tithe as long as you are consistent and proportional. We're to do that all the time. But then the Bible, then Jesus is Jesus. And he takes it up a whole nother notch. And the Bible is very clear that from time to time, God's people are to stretch themselves and to give sacrificially. You do that by giving above and beyond the tithe as God leads you and your family. And you do that through blessing other ministries, through special offerings, through special needs. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, hey, wherever you put your money, wherever your treasure is, There your heart is also. So, how could you be generous with your treasure? Well, be consistent, be proportional, and be sacrificial. Listen, how do you see your money? Like this? Or like this? You see, you you can give without loving. I don't care what you say. You can't love without giving. And so if you love God, he, Jesus says, you'll want to give. That's where your treasure is. He says, you'll give your time, you'll give your, your talent, and you'll give your treasure. Now, that leads us to the last area of generous living, and it is being generous with my testimony. Being generous with my testimony. Listen to me. If you're a follower of Jesus, you got a story to tell. That's your testimony. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a story to tell. God wants you and I to be open-handed with our story. In other words, he wants you to be quick 
to tell the story of how God has made a difference in your life, how he's impacted your life, how he has blessed your life, how he has changed your life through a personal relationship with Jesus. There's this great story in uh, Acts chapter 26 where the Apostle Paul, he's been arrested and he has an opportunity now to give his defense, okay, before King Agrippa. King Agrippa was the leader uh, of the rulers uh, that day, and uh, he was about, Paul was about to be sentenced to death. Now, instead of Paul standing up and kind of giving this elaborate defense of why he's not guilty and making his case for why he should not be killed, you know what he does? He stands before King Agrippa and he shares his personal testimony. He just shares his story. In fact, in Acts 26, 16, he recalls how Jesus said this to him. And I think Jesus is speaking to you and me today through these very words. He says, I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and my what? My witness. You are to tell the world about this experience. And he tells his story. Listen, you and I are to tell the story. We're to tell the world. You're to tell the people in your life that God has strategically put in your life about the experience that you've had. Not to be close-handed when it comes to your faith and your story, but to be generous to be generous with your testimony, to be generous. Listen, there is somebody where you work, where you live, where you do life, where you go to school, who needs to hear your story about how God has made a difference in your life, in, in, in your money, in your marriage, in your relationships. Listen, you know, that's another reason, by the way, that I'm, I'm, we're encouraging you to pick up this little free book that we're giving away. And, and I'm, I'm challenging you to please read this before Easter. This book is all about what a difference you and I can make in somebody's life by simply inviting them to church and sharing your story and sharing your faith. And it kind of steps you through the process of what does your story look like? I think sometimes we don't tell our story because we've not thought through you know, what it really is and what it looks like. We, we've just not thought it through. We've not wrote it down. We've not you know, given it much thought. And so pick up that book if you haven't uh, picked it up yet and read it. And it's just another tool to help you share your story and share your faith. There's a great uh, you know, story in John chapter 9. You know, you've heard this many times where there's this guy who's been born, he, he was born blind. And uh, Jesus heals him. And the religious leaders of that day are all hacked off. They're all ticked off because, number one, Jesus is gaining notoriety. He's teaching and healing. And then he does this healing on the Sabbath. And that's against the religious rules of the day. And so they, they get the guy who's been healed. Now he can see. And uh, they're just hammering him. I mean, they're interviewing him. And just, you know, it's almost like you can picture they've got the bright light shining on him. And they're just asking him all these questions about Jesus, about his followers, and how it happened and why, even asking his parents and everything. And you can almost get the, you get the picture that the guy gets a little frustrated and flustered. And finally, he just says, listen, I don't have all the answers to your questions. I don't really know all the ins and outs of what you want from me. But one thing I do know, I once was blind, but now I can see. And that was his story. You know, you've got a story. 
You once were lost and now you're found. You once were blind, spiritually blind. Now you can see. And I'm telling you, there are people in your lives who need to hear that. Are you open-handed with it? Are you closed-fisted? Are you a giver? Are you a taker? So how about it? What are you going to be known as? You know, do you come to church prepared to give your treasure? You know, are you, are you ready to share your testimony, to share your story? You know, are you quick to use your talents, you know, to, to build up the body of Christ, to help the church first and foremost, you know? Do, do you look and say, hey, this is my family, this is my home, how can I serve? What can I do to build up the body of Christ here? Do you volunteer? Do you serve? And then do you look at your life that way? God, everything I have is yours. How could, how could you use them? And are you praying regularly? God, what's the best use of my time today? God, what's the best use of my time in this season of my life? How do you want to use everything that you've given me for your kingdom and for your glory? And if you would think through those things in these four areas, you'll go from being a taker to a giver, from being closed-fisted to being open-handed. You know, so what about it? What could you do this coming week to use your time, to use your talents, to use your treasure and your testimony to make a difference for God? Here's my prayer for me, for you, for this church it's from Philemon, uh, the little book of Philemon. If you've not read through the New Testament or the Bible, you probably have looked over this book. But it's a short little book, Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. This is my prayer. You are what? Generous because of your faith. I hope that's true of me. that people could look at me in my life and say, Chris, you're generous. And it's because of your faith. I hope that's true of you. He says, you are generous because of your faith. Now listen to this. And I am praying that you will really put your generosity to work. For in doing so, you will come to an understanding of all of the good things that you could do for Christ. Wow. That's my prayer. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.